You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hey, it's Vadim. On today's episode, we have Kay Anagonio. Kay is a renaissance woman. She's involved in so many cool projects, many of which you'll get to hear about today. She is a freelance photographer and videographer. She's toured with a number of bands in that capacity. She's also done work for the Associated Press. She's covered the X Games and UFC. She's traveled the world. She has a project where she explores abandoned spaces and captures video and photo footage. And she's also a DIY musician. She releases music under Kay Anagonio, as well as Chasing Satellites, and recently has become the vocalist for a band called Matriarchs, which is a hardcore band out of LA. On this episode, we touch on a lot of things which I think will be of interest to the DIY recording community. Kay is someone who is able to use all the different projects she's involved in to kind of support each other in a way that I think is very powerful, also very unique, and I think people will get some ideas listening to that. She's a big fan of exchanging services, for example, with other producers and photographers and videographers. She's also a master of social media, and we talk a lot about promoting yourself and leveraging different social media channels specifically Instagram and TikTok, we get into a lot, which honestly, Kay's strategy for TikTok kind of blows my mind. And I think you're definitely going to want to listen to that portion of it. This interview went long and honestly, it could have gone longer because we had so many questions for her. Uh, So this episode kind of is the main body of it, I think is going to be the most interesting to the DIY recording community, but we definitely didn't want to cut any of it. We didn't want to have you guys miss out on some of Kay's interesting stories. So on the same day that this is released, there should be a bonus episode as well that has some additional content from this interview. And I definitely recommend checking that out. Check out the show notes as well where uh, to find out where you can follow Kay and get some of her content. She is a podcaster as well. I forgot to mention that. And finally, before we get into the interview, here is a song that Kay recently released called Bird Box and check out the interview with her right after this. Welcome to the podcast, Kay Anagonio. Welcome to the DIY guys, uh, recording guys and gals podcast now. <laughs> hey man, happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm really excited to share some stories and a little bit of context about myself and uh, just chat with you guys, catch up a little bit and uh, 
I'm, I'm super stoked. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess we can jump in and talk about where we first met, uh, me and you. So four years ago, I started playing full time with Lacey Sturm, who was the ex-vocalist for Flyleaf, and she was starting off on her solo career. And we were doing the whole summer festival circuit back whenever we were allowed to play live shows. You remember that way long ago? <laughs> Barely, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We kept bumping into each other. I know that it was at least two, maybe more festivals um, that we just kept running into each other. And most of the time it was, I was going to check out other bands and you happen to be on the road doing tour photography for a great band, Escape the Fate. Um, and I didn't know too much about them before that, but I watched basically all their live shows at all those festivals that we just kept having to run into. And they put on a hell of a live show, a lot of fun. And uh, so we just kind of hung out side stage while you were doing your your whole photography thing. Um, and then from there, uh, we did our, and I might be forgetting something, so you can jump in there too, but we ran to each other again at, Lacey's CD release show at the Whiskey A Go Go um, in LA, and you did some photography for that too. Then from there, uh, you shot our music video for Rot, and that was not the first music video shoot that I've ever done, but definitely the most professional. And it was such a great experience. We got to spend a lot of time together since I was chauffeuring you around everywhere, <laughs> since um, the airport to all the different venues we were going. Uh, it was spaced out pretty far away. Anywhere from half hour to hour drives was not uncommon for about a week's worth of time. So yeah, that's kind of our backstory. Um, is there anything I'm forgetting? So it's interesting to hear it from your perspective. Um, I'm going to share it from my perspective. So as a female metal screamer myself, Lacey Sturm it was like a huge influence on me growing up. You know, like Flyleaf was my shit. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do that when I grow up. Uh, and I was developing my own vocals at the time. And um, I, so when I first moved, uh, first of all, backtrack a little bit for your audience. So I grew up, uh, I'm from Oklahoma, but when I was 16, my family moved to the Middle East. And so I graduated high school in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. And then I decided to study film production in Dubai. So I was living in Dubai. And then from there, that's where I started photography. That's where I started YouTube. Um, I was making daily vlogs. And then I moved to Australia to finish my bachelor's degree in film production. Um, and then from there, when I graduated in 2014, I decided, well, everyone else went to California to make it quote unquote, make it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go out there as well and see if I can do the same. So I moved out here and I, the, my first thought was, okay, I want to get into concert photography. I want to, you know, do stuff in the music industry. Where should I live? So I moved down the street from a concert venue where I could bring my camera and just walk into the venue and take photos. Didn't need a photo pass, nothing. The venue is called Chain Reaction, and it's mm. super notorious. Everyone around the world has heard of Chain Reaction. It's like a, a staple for, for California music, especially like the metalcore, hardcore scene. Um, and then in 2014, I went on my first tour with a band. The band ended up breaking up at the end of the tour, so it was a very interesting first tour experience. Um, and then fast forward yeah. to 2015, 
I was working as a photographer, videographer for this artist named Diamante, and she was going on tour as a support band for Flyleaf. And I was like, oh my God, this is mm. awesome. And this is when uh, Kristen was in Flyleaf, right? So Kristen's in Flyleaf. And I was like, the whole tour, I was like, how can I work for Flyleaf? How can I get involved with this band somehow? And the whole time knowing that like Lacey is in like, we, di- we didn't know what was going on like with music wise at that point because she was yeah. kind of um, probably starting up the solo stuff and writing that music. So we got off, we'd finished the tour of Flyleaf and then I go on a tour with New Year's Day and Escape the Fate. So I'm working for New Year's Day and Escape the Fate and uh, Lacey Sturm is playing these festivals and Escape the Fate's playing the same mm-hmm. festivals. And I was like, okay, if I can't work with Flyleaf, I want to work with Lacey Sturm. Like, I just want to be involved in this music that she is a, has been a part of making. And so in order to manifest that, I decided, why don't I just shoot her set? I mean, we're at the same festival, so I might as well make myself an asset and start capturing content for her so that maybe one day it'll lead to something. And we were at the end of the tour, um, and I remember we were eating at a Benihana when Dubs called me, Lacey's manager, or tour manager, and uh, he was like, hey, when, when do you get off tour? Like, what are your plans? And I was like, oh, I get off on this date. Um, I don't have any plans after. And he was like, well, Lacey has this album release show. Do you want to come shoot it? And I was like, sorry, what? You want me to, what? What? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. That's amazing. I'm there. Like, I'm there. So shoot the album release show. Um, I didn't want to get paid for it. It had nothing to do with money. I mean, earlier you were like, I don't know if they paid you for that. No, but it wasn't even about that. I just wanted to get in with yeah. the crew. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be a part of what Lacey was doing. And um, that was like my first time really interacting with like her and you guys and like everybody in the band and management, all that stuff. And then after that album release show, Dubs was like, hey, do you want to fly out to Pittsburgh and film a music video for Lacey's first single, Rot? And I'm over here like, wait a second. (laughs) You want me to film a music video for like my biggest vocal inspiration? I'm there. I'm there. And so basically like for freelancers out there that might be listening to this and wondering like, well, how much did they pay you or how much should I ask for my first music video that's like a bigger budget? Because this was the biggest budget I had to work with. And I needed new gear. So we decided to take some of the money that I was getting paid and put it towards gear so the music video would look better. So I got three a three mm-hmm. lens kit and flew out to Pittsburgh, unboxed it there. We had to like, I remember us driving around for, to a rental place trying to rent something. I can't even remember what it was, but I don't we just either. drove around so much. <laughs> and um, so when, when, we were, when we were, you know, figuring out what to do for the music video, we had four days to film it. It was super hectic. Um, I was freaking out the whole time because like, it was a really big deal for me. You know, it was like a huge deal for me. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like mess it up. You know, this was my first time working with like a big artist and Lacey had full creative control for the first time over her stuff as well. So I knew it was a big deal for her. And so I really wanted to like put my all into it. And um, a side note for everyone listening, when I am not, when I'm not filming or doing photography or editing, I explore abandoned places. That's like my jam. I have a book out about 
abandoned places I've explored. Like I make videos about it, photos, all that stuff. And I was like, can we set this music video in an abandoned glass factory in Pittsburgh? And you guys were like, yeah, sounds cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so I yeah, was stoked because like awesome. I got to film this music video in a really cool, really historic location. Uh, the Jeanette Glass Factory in Pittsburgh is like super well known. There's still smokestacks from the chimneys. There's still like porcelain on the ground, colored glass. So we used those elements in the music video. I think we had some smoke grenades at some point. Oh, no, it was <laughs> it was a vape. <laughs> Josh was, had his vape Josh's and he vape, was blowing yeah. smoke with his vape to get this like fog effect <laughs> it was Josh's vape but anyway so filmed the music video for, for that song and it's now got like 4 million views which is the most viewed video that I've got on the internet um, so I'm super grateful for that and I, I love the response from it and uh, Lacey just came out with a new song called The Decree and I'm I'm over here like Y'all trying to go around too? <laughs> <laughs> nice. When you first did those, you, you were taking photos. How did you go about providing that content to Lacey or Lacey's management team to get their attention? Yeah. So I think I just said hi to Lacey and I was like, hey, I'm a photographer. Uh, I'm going to like, I would love to shoot your set if you're cool with that. And then I'll send you the photos and you can post them up on your socials or whatever. And uh, I mean, Lacey was like, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Like, go go ahead. And I ask, I always ask, like, can I shoot behind the drummer? Can I get stage shots? Like, what am I allowed to do? And they were all super chill with it. Um, and I got some really great photos over those fest the course of shooting those festivals over and over again. I remember us, like, going to the gym together. Like, we went to the gym one night after a festival. So it, it's like... <laughs> we did, yeah. It was, was a just a really cool... Like, like I felt welcomed. In the first moment, you know what I mean? Like, the, everybody was so welcoming and they, they were so inviting. And I knew that that it would lead somewhere. I just didn't know where it would lead to. You know what I mean? And I think, I think I was just in the right place at the right time. And I put myself out there, which is for other photographers out there, you just have to put yourself out there and start making content for people. You don't have to make money. Like, you're going to have to do some stuff for free. But as you can see with this experience, it paid off. Yeah, I think that's super key. And um, that's something I wanted to get into later in the podcast. So we might as well talk about it now. I think that that's such a huge part of the spirit of freelancing and do it yourself is just looking for opportunities where where can I serve people and mm -hmm. just go like a step above and beyond and just kind of, I don't know, almost like uh, read ahead and, and see what they might need or what they're, what they're struggle they're struggling to achieve for themselves. So it's interesting that you approached Lacey and just said, you know, I want to shoot your set and I'm going to give you this content that you could post on your social. Like I know from playing in like all the bands I've ever played in my life, like it's so hard to, when you're in the middle of playing a show, it's so hard to remember that, oh yeah, we need to capture this somehow to like show other people that we did this because you're focused on the actual, you know, playing or, or, experiencing what's happening on stage. And so I don't know if um, it's that way for every artist, probably not every artist, but I would say the majority of musicians, you know, they're focused on the music part and maybe that social media part or the video part or the photography part, it's a necessary piece, but um, it's an afterthought so many times. So the fact that you saw, oh, I can 
fulfill this need with the skills that I have and I'm just going to go for it. Like that's just such a, that's a, a huge deal. I think with freelancing, mm. no matter what you're doing, whether it's photography or you're a musician trying to play with or trying to get into a band um, or you're like us and you're running studios and you're trying to get um, musicians to hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I totally get what you mean. Like you, you basically have to make yourself an asset. Like, and, and that doesn't just go as like far as photography, like that goes for anything you're doing. If you can make yourself an asset, like on tour, for example, that's why so many like tour managers also sell merch. They also do the photography. They also do the lighting. Like they also man are tour managing, you know, like on tour, you have to become an asset. And so I, you know, goals would be to tour with some, some bigger bands, but as a vocalist as well i have three music projects going on right now Dang. um and we're we obviously can't play shows currently but we're planning for for next year and so i just i guess i can announce it here as well because by the time this is out i'll have announced it um i'm joining a hardcore band based out of la called matriarchs and we during quarantine nice. wrote a 12 track album um so we've got a full album coming out um and then we're gonna we're planning on playing shows next year, right? Which is super cool. But I've figured out like I've figured out how I'm going to make tour work for me. Like I'm gonna be able to perform with my own band, get off stage, and then get hired as a videographer photographer for one of the other bands on the tour so that I can make extra money on tour. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. Make yourself an asset, people. <laughs> like, I have the skills, so, like, why not just throw me some some money, you know? Yeah, and it, and you even said that. It's, it's not just for photographers. It really goes with any kind of networking you're trying to do. If you can approach people with instead of, hey, listen to my stuff or check out my stuff, is like, here's what I can do for you. That's a totally different approach. I'm just curious for your, your strategy when you, if it, assuming we get to play live again, if you're playing live, what's your strategy for capturing your own content? So for us, we'll probably hire somebody, you know, like we might, or instead yeah. of me hiring or me getting hired, maybe I'll just trade with somebody. Like if somebody else happens to do photography, videography on that tour, we can just swap. Like I'll shoot your band if you shoot my band. Like we'll just, you know, I, I'm totally down with collaborating as long as we have content. And as a videographer myself, I can also like set up cameras to capture our show. It, it might not be as dynamic as hiring somebody, but um, we can still at least capture something. And a great example of capturing your show while you're playing, I, I have to give a huge shout out to Charles Trippy of We The Kings. Uh, he plays bass for them and he's been daily vlogging for 10 years on YouTube every single day, despite being on tour, Jeez. despite having brain cancer, despite having brain surgery. Like the guy has a Guinness World Record and they just retired it. They said, like, nobody else is ever going to get this record. This is yours forever. You are the king of daily vlogging. There you go. But he was able to <laughs> wow. play live shows and capture content for his own band, which is insane. That's amazing. I like what you said. Um, yeah, and I think this was on one of the episodes of Project Freelance where you were talking about being a freelancer and doing free work. And one of the strategies you said was exactly that. It's exchange services rather than charging your friends or trying to get your friends to charge you with that exchange of services can be like, a, there can be some really positive relationships that come out of that as well. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I've done that with with not only photography and videography, like I trade my services as a photographer and videographer to music producers so that they can help me produce my music. You know what I mean? So I'll do promos for their stuff if they write a song for me or with me, you know? So I've been able to start to build this team around me where we can exchange things like services for services, which I think is super cool. And yeah, you can't necessarily pay your rent with like free work, but you don't have to do all your work for free. You have to pick and choose what you're doing for free or what you're doing as a trade. So don't do everything for free. We're not saying that by any means, but we're saying pick and choose the things that you trade or do for free. And if you are starting out, you're going to have to do some free work. Uh, That's just how it is. That's how we all cut our teeth in the industry is by doing pro bono work at the beginning. Mm. Yeah. So let's take a step back here because like we said at the beginning, you're involved in so much different creative arts stuff. Um, So I mentioned a little bit at the top, maybe you can fill in any gaps that I, I missed, but you do photography, videography, um, of concerts, documentaries, music videos, sporting events. I'd love to hear more about the sporting events. Um, also, your own music projects. Uh, maybe a, an overall thing you can give us too is where do you, where do you rank all of those things? Do you love them all equally, and you just take a break from one to do another, or is there one thing that you particularly like to do more than the others, and and the other things are more hobbies? So I'm just I'm just curious about that. So yeah, yeah. I so you asked like. Do you like take a break from one to do another? No. What I do is I keep myself busy by doing multiple different things. So like throughout a day, for me, typically I'll like wake up, check emails, and then I will edit a video and then I'll go and record vocals for a song and then I'll go back to a video and I just kind of like fill my time with all these different things and then like later I'll do a podcast So I I set up my schedule to be able to do different things every single day. And Vadim asked, like, at the Mm. beginning, like, um, what do you, like, what do you do every day? Like, what do do you do in, you know, a typical day? And it's it's different every day. Like, I've tried, I've tried doing, like, a nine-to-five job where, like, I go to an office every day and edit videos for one person, edit all their content all day for 10 hours, and then I go home, go back the next day, do the same thing. I can't live like that. I can't stand doing the same project every single day. Like I have to do something new every day. Otherwise I feel like I'm going insane. Like the monotony of doing a repetitious thing for me is not fun. So I made my, my passions and my hobbies work for me. You know, I, wanted to be able to do videography and photography because that's what I got a degree in. My dad told me when I was in high school, like, you can do what you want for your job, but you have to get a degree first. No matter what, he wanted me to get a degree. He wanted me to do the college experience, the whole thing. So I said, hey, dad, instead of me going to a a university where I have to take math and science and English, which I don't necessarily need, why don't I just go to a trade school and study the thing I want to do, which is film and videography and photography. So that's what I did. I jumped into videography fully, learned all that stuff. And while I was studying videography, I was also 
making music covers of popular songs. Like I've done Flyleaf. I've done, you know, all these bands that I grew up listening to. I've done covers of all these songs. And through doing those covers, that's how a lot of bands actually know me. So that, me mm-hmm. by me doing covers on YouTube, I was able to get access to like bands to photograph them. Like when I lived in Australia, we would have American bands like Attila come through or like Bring Me the Horizon or Northlane is from Australia, but they would play Make Them Suffer. So these bands would come through and they would be like, oh my gosh, you covered our song. Like we've seen your video on YouTube. And then I would say, hey, I'm a photographer. Can I shoot your show for free and just give you guys content? So that's how I (laughs) built a reputation with all these bands. And then through that... Now that I've built these relationships with these band members, I can shoot their shows anytime, like anytime they need content and they're in my area, they'll hit me up. Not only that, but I've gone farther to even ask some of them, hey, would you want to feature on one of my songs for my band? So I've just like built this like circle of connections and it's called like social capitalism. I don't know if you've heard the term before, but it's where you basically build a relationship where both parties benefit from something mutually. It's like a symbiotic relationship almost. Mm. Um, And so I've been able to work with like JT from famous last words. Like I've been able to work with all these artists and it's been such a cool experience getting to, go from like looking up to these band members and these bands and stuff to be, to be working with them and like be their friends and colleagues. Like Mm. it's such a trip. Like if you had told me when I was 16, like, Hey, one day motionless and white is going to ask you to come on stage and do guest vocals in front of 10,000 people at warp tour. I would have laughed in your face, but it happened. (laughs) You said in one of your episodes, and I think it might've been, I think it might've been your first episode actually. Uh, or maybe it was just the title of one of the other episodes I didn't listen to, but um, you were talking about uh, why you should be a freelancer. And um, maybe talk about that a little bit more because you're really passionate about it. Obviously, it's worked out for you, but maybe somebody is just doing something they really love as a hobby. Why should they take the dive and, and become a freelancer? You know, maybe get them over that fear of diving into it. For sure. So um, I'll actually use an example. Recently, I had somebody um, draw fan art of me, which is like really cool when people do that. Like you appreciate what I do enough to draw a picture of me doing that thing that I love. So Mm -hmm. this girl just DM'd me on Instagram this, this really sick artwork of me. And I was like, yo, do you sell these? Like, are you commissioning your workout? And she said, no, I don't think I'm good enough, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? If you have a skill or a talent, you can monetize it. Like, people don't understand because they don't have a business mindset necessarily. Like, if you have a skill or a talent, you can literally make money doing that. There is a way. Like, there's 100% a way You can get on Fiverr, you can do it through Instagram, you can do it through Pinterest, you can, there are so many ways to market yourself, and I feel like more people should be doing it, especially more young people. Like, teenagers, you guys can make money as a 15, 16-year-old if you have a skill or talent. Like, you should 100% pursue your passions, and like, when, when people have skills and talents that they don't monetize, it, it upsets me. A little bit because I'm like, you have 
the potential to like there's so much potential in people and I wish more people would see it and if you're somebody out there that is you know fearful because you're like well I have a nine to five job and I want to do freelancing full-time but like I'm scared to commit to it because like what if it doesn't work out you're never gonna know unless you take a chance like you have to trust your instincts and your gut and you have to trust yourself to to carry yourself you know what I mean like you have the skills you have the passion the only thing you need to do is basically ask people to start paying you like ask for some money like this girl that hit me up with the fan art I said like hey I will I'm willing to pay you to commission you to do artwork like take my money take my money please like because I think once you get that first sale once you get that first gig under your belt you're like oh I can actually make money doing this like this is something that could be viable for me and for me like Mm -hmm. to be honest with you guys out there and I'm sure this is similar for you guys as as uh producers you know when you're starting a business from zero it takes four to seven years for your business to really start making a huge profit for you to be able to pay your rent for you to, you know, it takes time. And I think if I, if I could go back and tell myself something, it would be to be a little bit more patient with myself because like the money will come, the jobs will come. You just have to be patient and you can't stop. Like you cannot stop. You can't, you can't take a break. You get like if you if you stop that forward momentum, your snowball rolling down the hill will hit a rock and stop. But you got to keep pushing it. You got to keep going. And so if you're out there listening and you are afraid of jumping into your passion career, just give it a chance. Like worst case scenario, it doesn't work out in six months and then you can go back to your nine to five job that you dread. If, if that's what you have to do, you have to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you should revisit, you should revisit your passion if it doesn't work out, you know, like don't give up on it just because it doesn't work out the first time. Some business, some people that try to like build a restaurant, they have to go through four or five, six different restaurant concepts before the right one takes hold. So mm. yeah, just don't give up on your mm. passions at the end of the day. Like I think everybody, like if everybody could freelance, like, that would be amazing. And like, look how much of our economy now in America is from self-employed people. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier than it's ever been. And I've heard another compelling case for it, which is that if you work for a company, you kind of have like a single point of failure where if that company goes out of business right, or you get laid off, you're done. But if you have, if you work for yourself and you have multiple clients, any one client firing you isn't going to kind of ruin your <laughs> ruin your life yeah. necessarily. But I want to yeah. ask you about that um I did listen to the episode where you mentioned Fiverr as a way to get freelancing work and I've heard kind of mixed things about this because I've heard the perspective where if you're just starting out there's so much noise on Fiverr and there's so much so many people on it already that you end up kind of having to offer prices that are really unreasonably low to get any work. What what is, what's your take on that and what's been your experience? Is that something that you use at this point in the game? Have you ever used it? And what do you recommend for people, especially for musicians? So, okay. So for musicians, um, okay. First of all, Fiverr, I don't, I don't really like it because there are people charging $5 to edit your video. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like (laughs) that, 
takes me hours you to make do. It two like, cents an hour. I deserve like people. <laughs> yeah, you two, literally two cents an hour. Like, come on, like you can't live off of that. <laughs> so, for me personally, I have used Upwork.com. I get about forty percent of my work from Upwork.com, and that's been consistent over the past like uh five years uh since i've been freelancing full-time in california um i've been on upwork since before it was called upwork it used to be called elance um and then they they merged it into this Mm. platform called upwork and um through upwork you get better rates um the jobs are more exciting for me i've gotten like uh i've gotten so many jobs from upwork honestly like i I can't even like tell you Mm. guys like how many jobs I've gotten. Like I've made over, you know, thousands of dollars <laughs> on Upwork. If I was on Fiverr, I feel like, like if you were to start right now on Fiverr, I feel like it would be really hard. Like Vadim, what you just said, like it's super oversaturated. I think if you got on Fiverr, maybe two or three years ago, you would be able to pop off. Like you would be able to get more work and you'd be able to charge higher rates. But now that there are so many people on there, mm. it is definitely getting harder. And, that kind of brings me like just to go off on a side tangent real quick brings me to social media. Um, if you're not on TikTok, get on TikTok. Like get on TikTok. And I'll tell you why. I so I didn't want to get on TikTok because I was like, listen, that's all dancing videos. I don't dance. I'm not going to do it. It's not happening. But my manager <laughs> told me and Gary Vaynerchuk told me, "Hey, if you're not on TikTok right now and you wait and you get on TikTok in a year, it's going to be too late. So why not do it now? So I was like, okay, well, let me just see what I can put on TikTok that people will want to watch. That's not me dancing because I'm not, I'm not a dancer at all. (laughs) So it's just not going to happen. So I, like I said, I explore abandoned places. So I made a TikTok and I posted this video of this abandoned insane asylum here in California. And I did a really spooky, dramatic voiceover over the top of it, added some music. And this place was filled with a bunch of contaminated material that the city just left behind. So the, the voiceover goes something like this. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know why the city is legally allowed to leave all this ca- contaminated material behind. Surely if the people of Downey saw these photos, the city would come under fire, blah, 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 for leaving all this stuff here. And that video went viral overnight I now have like 85,000 followers on TikTok and I just post content of me exploring abandoned buildings and people freaking love it. 1.4 million views on one video. What are you talking about? Dang. Crazy. That's crazy. So for, from your, like the chasing satellite stuff and the stuff you do with music as far as, cause you post stuff on Instagram as well. And then I saw you also post stuff on TikTok, like, for musicians, what do you, yeah. where's the balance there and what what do you see? Like, I think you made a great point about TikTok because it's newer. You can kind of get in on that ground floor. What are, What's the other decision point for which outlet to distribute your content on? For sure. So personally, I've seen Instagram plateau. I think we've all seen that. Um, okay. People aren't getting as much as engagement. They, they were taking likes away. So People are seeing less engagement, so people aren't really interacting as much with Instagram because, especially during this pandemic, all the adults, because TikTok was like for kids, right? But during the pandemic, all the adults were stuck at home and they were like, hey, we can start making content on TikTok too, right? So now it's all like adult content and like 
totally like TikTok has totally changed from dancing to like adult content. And it's been such an interesting switch. Um, but for the music hmm. stuff, um, I made an, a, another account. So I have no tracers, which is my urban exploration, my abandoned stuff. And then I have another account that's under K the female screamer, which is what people have known me as since I started YouTube. Um, and so what we decided to do, we saw this niche on TikTok that was untapped. So we have trending sounds. So people on TikTok, if you don't know how it works, there are sounds that are trending, whether it's a song or someone talking, a voiceover, whatever it may be. These sounds start trending and then people can make videos using those sounds. So we started seeing all these songs that were trending only on TikTok. And I thought to myself, how could we take this content and make it work for us? So what we decided to do every Tuesday is we go live on Instagram first and we do full production of creating a metal cover, like a metal version of these trending sounds. So for example, this cool. past Tuesday, we did this cover of a song called Roses by St. John. It was a trending sound. It had like a little trending dance that went along with it. So we decided to make a metal version of that. So we made a metal version. We did the production side. So the instrumentals on Instagram live. And then I go over to TikTok and I record live vocals on TikTok of that cover. And then right after I get off the live, we edit the video, we upload it to TikTok, and then that song goes viral because there's a whole metal community on TikTok that doesn't have sounds. They're not represented. So we're like, hey, metalheads, we made you a metal mm -hmm. version of this trending sound that you've been <laughs> seeing all over your TikTok. Go make a duet with this. Use the sound. Have at it. It's yours. And... Dude, we've had 300,000 awesome. views. We've had 200,000 views. You know, we've we've been crushing it on TikTok. Within the past week, we've had a million views on TikTok. Like, it's crazy. I just hit 50,000 followers. I'm trying to get verified right now. Like, it's it's crazy. TikTok is an amazing platform, and I back it 100% cool. as somebody that was so against it at the beginning. I, I back it 100%. Get on it now, yeah. because if you get on it in a year, it's going to be too late. Yeah, that's super interesting. Did you mention what's the name of the project that you're about to release the 12 song album for? Is that is that Chasing Satellites or that's under a different name? So, okay, so uh I have okay, let me there there's a couple music projects. So I just joined a band called Matriarchs, um based out of LA, hardcore band. Okay. So we did 12 songs together. So we've got a full album coming out called The Year of the Rat, because it is the year of the rat uh this year. And um, <laughs> awesome. so that's going to come out in like August, September. Um, I actually just recently released a six track EP under my name, Kay Anagonio, called Pandemic. And it's about the pandemic. It's six songs, seven features. Gotcha. So we have a, a feature on every song. We have two features on one of the songs. Um, it's me and a bunch of my friends collaborating, basically. And uh, we wrote the songs in 2018 put them on a shelf and we were like, ah, we don't know what we're going to do with these. And then when the quarantine started, we were like, we should revisit this and finish these songs. And I was like, well, I'm super inspired to write about this pandemic because it's literally everything that we're talking about and, and we're all experiencing this all over the world. So yeah, 
Uh, we we finished the EP, put it out on my birthday. I was like, this is my birthday present to myself. And because why not? Why not just put it out <laughs> on my birthday? And are you guys, are you collaborating remotely? Yeah. So I actually tracked vocals in my closet because the studios were closed. And okay. that just goes to show you, you can record anywhere that you need to. You know, it, there are no excuses. Zero excuses. Yeah. Right on. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so... We did Pandemic, the EP, and then we were like, oh, man, well, there's going to be a second wave of this virus because now there's people <laughs> protesting wearing masks, and then there's people protesting other things not wearing masks. And so we were like, well, we might as well write six more songs and call it Second Wave, and it will just be about the second wave of this virus. <laughs> so we now have six more songs written and an acoustic song. And then uh, my band Chasing Satellites also has an EP that I'm working on. And I'm doing this all remotely with different producers. The guy that does the instrumentals for Kay and Agonio stuff, he lives in Toronto, Canada. So we do everything, you know, through the internet. And uh, we split Mm. everything. And it's been super cool to get to work with him. And I just linked up with another producer out of L.A., so I'm starting to work with him as well. I'm I'm really trying to dive more into music. Like you guys asked me, like, how do you prioritize your passions? So in 2020 and 2021, I really want to dive more into my music stuff. I haven't been on tour with a music project of my own ever. So I would love to tour mm. as, mm. as a vocalist. So 2021 will be the first time I ever get to go on tour with my own band. And that's like a really freaking big deal for me. And I'm super excited to do it. I'm ex- because people have been asking me for years, like, are you going to come to this city? Are you going to tour? Like, what are you going to do with your music? I absolutely want to tour. I just didn't have a team around me. And now I'm building a team around me. I have a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're shopping labels right now. Like we're, 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 we're in the works of making this thing happen. So I'm super excited to see where it takes me and uh, very excited to finally get out on the road and, and have some fun as a as a front person. On the on the promotion side, this is something I think you do really well. And we talked a little bit about it with some of the stuff you've done on TikTok, which I think is really great advice. I think that that idea of of recording covers, especially for musicians who have the capability in the DIY recording community, that's a great way to blow up. What are some other uh, tips and tricks you would give to people who are trying to develop? and engage and kind of maintain their social media following? Ooh, okay. So consistency is key. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk will tell you to post 300 times a day. Don't do that. It's annoying. <laughs> Nobody wants to see it. It's too much. There's, there is such a thing as too much content. Um, but I did just learn today, and I'm going to read this verbatim so you guys can uh, you know steal some of these tips and tricks. So... I'm trying to get verified on TikTok right now, and we were curious Ooh. about a couple things, like their algorithm. And so I'm going to just tell you, their algorithm is different than any other platform on TikTok. It doesn't matter how much you post. You could post three videos, one for cooking, one for songwriting, one for fitness, all at the same time, and each video will get shown to a different audience that is seeking that specific content. So it doesn't okay. matter hmm. what time you post videos. Um, like people were saying like, oh, it's best to post at this time or this time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just post your video. Just put it up there. Get it out. People will find it. Um, the best time for going live on TikTok is between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. 
And pay attention to what's trending if you want quick numbers. That's basically the number one thing I could tell you about TikTok is find what's trending. You can even go into your analytics and you can see what your followers are listening to. Like it shows you the sounds that your followers are mostly listening to. Mm -hmm. So we've been literally going into my analytics, seeing what sounds are trending for them. And we've been covering those sounds. And that's how we're doing that. And like yeah. you said, for the the cover artists, the DIY musicians, if you have the capability to even play guitar over a sound, like do it, you know, uh, like Toby Paik just hit like, I don't know, I think he's at like 300,000 followers right now on TikTok. He just plays guitar over the trending sounds, you know, and it's people love it. People love that stuff. So just start making content. That's that's what I can say. Uh, and then maintaining hmm. your audience uh, just be consistent, interact with them, reply to all the comments. Like I'll literally take hours out of my day to just go sit on TikTok and reply to comments because that's how you build an audience. You have to engage with your audience, whether that's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, mm. reply to comments, take time to interact with your audience because that's how you build relationships. And that's how you build strong relationships is by interacting with your fans. So yeah, just interact, post content, be consistent. That only makes sense though. It's so interesting. You just have to think of online uh, online interactions the same way as you would interact with somebody in real life. Like how <laughs> awkward would that be if, uh, Kay, you came to my show and I just walked up to you and shook your hand and said, thanks for coming. And I just stared at you. <laughs> like That would be super awkward. <laughs> super awkward you know we should yeah like conversate conversate with one another <laughs> yeah for sure but i also um this is something you um I, I don't know if you do this consciously or subconsciously but ben mentioned it is like you you're you are injecting your personality into everything and i think that's huge like if you have something that makes you quirky like your sense of humor or whatever it's more appealing to sell that personality almost than it is your your skill set right because there's there's a million dudes and girls on Instagram that just that can shred all day on guitar, right? But like, you got to have some some a, a cool personality too that that would make you a little more sellable, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Find your thing and let it let it consume you. Um, t yeah, talk a little bit more about like the production and working remotely. Like, how do you guys, especially for the original music that you're releasing under either Chasing Satellites or your uh, your eponymous stuff. How's that work? How do you work collaborating remotely? Who's doing the bulk of the songwriting? How are you guys sharing files? Yeah. So um, when it comes to original stuff uh, for Chasing Satellites, I was working with one writer. Um, we're no longer associated. We had a disagreement over the Black Lives Matter movement, actually, which is super unfortunate. Um, he didn't really understand what was going on. And so unfortunately, I'm not working with him anymore. Um, but okay. I had somebody locally that I was working with, which was super cool. Um, now I'm working with another producer to rework a bunch of music. Um, and he is based out of LA, which is, makes things easier. But with Ryan, uh, who lives in Toronto, Ryan Cunningham, he and I worked on a bunch of original music. Like I said, this EP pandemic, and now the second half of it called second wave. So basically what we do, um, in 2018, I flew out to Toronto with the sole purpose of working on music with him. So I, I, you know, we, we split the plane, the airfare, all that stuff. I stayed with his family and we just busted our asses and wrote these songs while I was there. And like I said, we shelved them because we didn't know what we were going to do with them. I 
Mm. wrote one song called Bird Box because the movie Bird Box came out and I was super inspired to write after I saw it. So I wrote one song called Bird Box and then that song stuck. We didn't really change that song at all. But the other songs, when quarantine happened, um, we got re-inspired to work on them. And Ryan was like, well, I have all this time now. I'm going to rework the instrumentals. I was like, okay, cool. So he reworked the instrumentals, sent them over to me, and I would send him back like changes, things I wanted, you know, uh, like extend the breakdown or, you know, just send him notes here and there. Um, and we would share everything through Google Drive. Uh, that's how we work personally. I always use Google Drive with all my clients, with everybody. I think it's just the best platform. It's better than Dropbox or anything like that. So I just think okay. Google Drive is easiest to use. So um, we would send files back and forth through there. And he would send me the instrumental. I would send him a scratch track with like rough vocals. And uh, we would go back and forth if there was a chorus or something. Um, and he thought that because personally, I'm not I don't consider myself much of a singer, even though I'm singing more now because I want to be more of a singer. I, I, I've always wanted to sing. I just haven't ever been confident in it until recently, up until like the past two years. So I'm really learning a lot about how to sing. And working with these different producers has really taught me a lot about my own voice and how my voice works and the sounds mm. I can make and the type of singing I can do. So I've been soaking up as much information as possible, um, not only on like the singing front, but also music production. So like I had to figure out like how to use Reaper, how to use the interface I have. <laughs> I had to learn all that by myself. And um, I, you know, have been fortunate enough to be able to work with like Focusrite. Like they sent me my gear, you know, so Focusrite, thank you. Focus right, appreciate it. Um, so they sent me my gear. So that's that's the gear I use. I use the Scarlet Focus Right Studio setup. Uh, super simple. And I just record vocals in my closet right now because the studios have all been closed. Um, but all you got to do is pad, put some padding, get your shirts around you, just make a little cocoon, and uh, <laughs> you're good to go. You can record. You can literally record vocals anywhere, absolutely anywhere, as long as you dampen the room. You know. And so I've learned about all that kind of stuff. Um, I've learned a lot more about music production and I, I've i loved getting to work with, like I said, these different producers. But um, so I would send him scratch vocals. He would send me back ideas and then I would lay down the final vocals and he would mix and master everything and then send it back to me. Mm. Um, and that's, that's pretty much our process. Super simple. Um, I just send him the stems and he does everything from there. Um, I uh, don't pre-mix or anything. I just send him my raw vocals and he does everything. So Awesome. I think that's a super ideal way to work, but it sounds to me like from what you're talking about that at least for you, you, you had to find somebody that could really get inside your head and really tell what you wanted to do with the songs. So yeah. I'm curious when it comes to that, um, did you lay down any guitar or acoustic or were you mostly going in with vocal melodies or, or um, lyrics so, and vocal ideas? Or yeah. were you writing together? Yeah. So for the, uh, for the pandemic EP specifically, and most of the music I write actually, I will send references. Like I'll send like three or four songs that I like that I'm like, here, let's try to work with these ideas and make something our, our own. So, for example, we have a song called Symptoms Start to Show, which is the final song on the EP, Pandemic. 
And my reference for that was an old Woe Is Me song. And Woe Is Me used to have these shotgun sounds. Like they would add like shotgun foley into their songs right before breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I want the sound of a shotgun at the beginning and at (laughs) the end of this song. So there's my idea. Let's, Let's figure something out. So... Ryan then takes that idea, that reference, and he'll start working on guitar, and I'll help him come up with like, you know, I'll come up with like melodies here and there. But I'm not a guitar player. I I wish I knew more about guitar. I wish I knew how to play guitar, or or even drums. Like I wish I knew how to like MIDI drums on a computer. I just don't know how to do that. I haven't taken the time to learn it. I should, because then I would be able to be more a part of the songwriting process. Like if I could send him like, here's a cool drum breakdown I made. Let's see if we can put this in a song. Um, So that's something I'm personally working on. But uh, typically we'll go in that direction. Um, I'll help come up with some melodies or, you know, some ideas. And then for me, whenever I'm recording vocals, the first thing I'll do is listen to the song, push record go through the song and I'll just scream or sing sounds, not words. I'm not like freestyling. Mm. I'll literally just scream different sounds and syllables. And then with those Mm -hmm. syllables in place, I will then come up with lyrics that fit the syllables on the music. And that's how that's my songwriting process. Basically. Um, I've had some producers uh, like ghostwriters, for example, I've had a few people give me like MIDI ideas um, for, for a song and then I'll write over top of the MIDI idea and change it up here and there to suit what I feel fits the song. Um, so there's a couple different ways to go about vocal writing and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't have like, I like, I'm not the type of lyricist to have like notebooks and notebooks full of lyrics. Like literally mm-hmm. when I hear a song, the lyrics just come to me, like whatever is inspired, whatever I'm inspired by at that moment. Um, I'll be, able to like write something about it funny thing is is i don't write vocal i don't write vocals too often but whenever i do write a song i do vocals the exact same way and Mm. i love Mm. that as a technique for writing and other people out there who are vocalists who haven't tried it you really should because the benefit of doing it that way is if you're just organically coming up with sounds the sounds already fit the music because you're just you're just reacting to what you're hearing and so i find a lot of times the lyrics that kind of come out to that, it's so weird. Like I'll be listening back and I'll be like, those sounds sound like words. And as I put the words to it, it like actually somehow makes sense. It's really trippy in that way. But when you write in that way, a lot of times the music flows a lot better than trying to force fit lyrics that are pre-written or poems into songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, so when, when George Floyd was murdered, um, we were, obviously furious um ryan is a person of color uh i'm native american as well um and we were like we want to write a song and give donate the proceeds to black lives matter causes so we wrote this protest song and we were like we need to write an anthem right now like i grew up listening to otep and otep has written tons of like protest anthems things like that and I took a lot of inspiration from her. And so we wrote this song called Fight Back. We put it up on TikTok and it's an original song. And usually original music doesn't do as well on TikTok. But this one blew up for whatever reason. People really got behind it. Uh, We ended up being able to donate over $500 to Black Lives Matter causes. And that just kind of goes to show you that 
current events and things that are impacting people in this world, music is such mm. a powerful tool that can bring us together. And I wanted to write a song that would bring people together and and encourage them to use their voices in whatever manner they can. For us, like we aren't necessarily going to go out and protest because we feel like we would be able to have more of an impact and be able to help more by writing music. Music is what we do. Music is what we love. Music inspires us to take action. And so that's why we did that. And I, same kind of thing. Like I just, I did the entire song live on TikTok with vocals from the process of coming up with my syllables to writing lyrics. I even had some people on TikTok (laughs) pitch lyrics in. So I even had like fans like, give me some lyrics, Mm. like give me a line right here. What would sound cool? Or they would say like, oh, hey, you should switch this up. Maybe say this instead. And so it was a really cool collaborative opportunity to work with my audience. So another thing for people that are creators, like you can use your audience and utilize them to help you create more content. And it's a super, and it it just brings them in more and makes them feel more a part of what you're doing. That's amazing. That's super vulnerable. Like, I don't think I personally would ever be able to go through my terrible, grueling songwriting process live. But if you can do that and, and make your audience feel a part of it, if you give them some like ownership stake, that's huge. That's a really cool technique. I think I recently just read somewhere too that Dead Mouse, way back in the day, like, 10 years ago, he took, he was on a live stream somewhere. Maybe it wasn't quite 10 years ago, but he was on a live stream somewhere, whether it was Instagram or Facebook and somebody shared like a loop that they made and he put it into a live production he was making. Wow! And it was like his, wow. it was like his bigot, like, like top billboard hit ever or something like oh, that. Oh, no way. Yeah. Like oh. crazy. So, I mean, people are doing it. You definitely should interact with your audience that way. I, I love that idea. Okay, when you said you um you were able to donate over five hundred dollars, is that through TikTok? Like, what's the monetization look like on on TikTok? Is there a way? So, um, so what we did for for the raising of funds, we put the song on Bandcamp, and you can put a link in your TikTok bio. Mm. So I just linked it, and I was like, okay. literally every comment, every time somebody commented on that video, there are like, I think there are like two thousand comments on the video now. Half of those comments are my replies to people basically saying like, they would say whatever, like, this is sick. Oh my God. Love this song. I would reply saying, Hey, thanks so much. Um, you can get the song on Bandcamp, and you can donate as much as you want. All the proceeds are being donated to black lives matter causes. We would love your support in gotcha. doing this, um, through music. So they would go to Bandcamp so people could donate as much as they wanted. You know, you could donate a dollar whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also got some shirts made. Again, all the proceeds are being donated. Um, And so some people picked up shirts. Some people donated up to like $50, $75. Um, And on TikTok, the only thing you can monetize right now is your live streams. So people can send you gifts and the gifts convert to money. So I think I've made, Mm. I think I've gotten like $100 worth of donations on, on TikTok through live streams. Um, so if you are on TikTok looking for a way to monetize, that's the only way for now. Um, I'm sure it'll change in the future. I'm sure you'll be able to, you know, put ads on your content or something. I I just don't know what they're going to do next. Right. All right. Okay. Well, we want to, we want to be mindful of your time. Tell people where they can find all of your various projects. 
okay, this is going to take the most time. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at K Inagonio. Um, I'm sure all of my links will be in the description of this podcast. So yeah, for sure. you don't have to try too hard to spell my last name. Um, but my TikToks are K the female screamer and no tracers. Um, my podcasts are project freelance, which is a podcast all about freelancing. It's a guest based podcast. Every week I have a different guest from a different industry on to share how they built their freelancing career. Um, I learn a lot. I think my audience learns a lot. They get a lot out of that. And then I just recently started another podcast called No Tracers, which is about my urban explorations. Uh, So stories of times that I've almost been arrested by the police, stories of how I got in and out of places. um, (laughs) And then that one's also going to be guest-based. So I have other explorers from around the world uh, on there to talk about their stories and their favorite explorations. Um, and then music-wise, uh, I have an EP called Pandemic out under K and Agonio. I also have music out under Chasing Satellites, which is technically another solo project. And then my new band is Matriarchs, and we have a 12-track album coming out later this year. So lots of content for you guys to uh, check out if you're interested. And uh, thank you guys for having me on this podcast. I love podcasting. It's one of my favorite things to do. And thank you for letting me talk about myself for like an hour. I, uh, <laughs> I had a blast. I appreciate it. <laughs> Kay, it was our pleasure. You were a great guest and um, dear friend of mine. So thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed this uh, interview. So like we always say, remember to check yourselves before you wreck yourself. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com and you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email ben at dreamloudstudio.com and finally join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording just search for DIY recording guys on Facebook thank you so much for listening and for your continued support See you next week.